0: Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10:30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Well, good morning, Christ Community Church. Good to see you guys. It's been an interesting week. How do you like the weather? It's fun, isn't it? Oh, don't complain too much. I've got friends in Phoenix. Y'all listen to them. It was 120 degrees there this week. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know. I With the allergies I have um, this week, I was telling Jay and Jamie, I said, um, my allergies have been worse this week than they ever have been. I, I Claritin doesn't touch it. Um, what's it called? Flonase doesn't touch it. And so my throat stays dry, my eyes water, and I'm constantly coughing and and sneezing. And uh, I was talking to my dad about it last night, and uh, Megan's gone upstairs, right, with the youth group. He thinks it's the dogs. He thinks it's the dogs. He thinks I have an allergy to one of the dogs. So, if you can do me a solid. Have you seen the dog napping episode from Seinfeld? I need a solid. Okay? She's upstairs. Let's keep this between ourselves, all right? And let's, uh, let's save your pastor, okay? Deal? She's not going to make me get another one, Patty. No. <laughs> no. No. No more. No more. I got it. We, we live in this old house. It's a very small old house. She fell in love with it. But it was built in, like, 1929. I don't know if you know anything about houses, like, built back then. But the doors were, like, built for hobbits. They're, like, this wide. And so we tried to bring our furniture in there, our couches and mattresses, and they wouldn't fit through the front door. Any door. We could. There's no way. And so, you know, outside of a chainsaw that we were getting those things inside. And so I was like, yeah, be kidding me. And so I found a place online that kind of specializes in that. And so we spent a fortune on these two couches in the living room that would fit through a narrow door. You had to put them together, but, you know, you've seen the commercials. But we, you know, we put them together. We did all that. We put them in. We spent a lot of money on that. And then within six months of having dogs, there are chunks of fake leather all over my floor. Please, I'm asking for your help. <laughs> uh, and here's how I, here's, and I just do you don't think I'm paranoid or I'm picking on my wife's dogs. Um, last week, last Thursday, a week from last Thursday, uh, Megan and I had to go to Louisville. And because we had to wake up really early and on Friday morning record the Senior Pastor Podcast with Dad and Don Wilson and Bob Russell and, and Ken Eidelman, And we try to record like months at a time, so we record like all day. And so I go to Louisville, and I'm there overnight, and then we go and we record all day, and it hits me driving home from Louisville. On that three-hour drive home from Louisville, I'm like, my eyes aren't watering, I'm not sneezing, I'm not coughing, my throat's not dry. What's missing? The dogs are missing. See, I'm on to something. And so, just keep that between us, all right? She's with the youth group this morning. Just keep that between us because if I have to throw down the gauntlet and say, "Megan, it's me or your littlest dog, I will be asking you for a guest house. So just keep that in mind it, it was a It was a good week despite all that, despite all the wiping of the eyes and the sneezing and coughing and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, was, it was an interesting week. Uh, I don't know about you, but my, my week is weird. You know, I'm, I'm trying to finish up a Ph.D. program. I've got one year, less than one year of classes left. Thank the Lord. And um, even though after all this work I've put in, and because I know God has a sense of humor, here's what's going to happen. As I'm taking my final exam for my final class, the Lord will return. That's how things work with me. That's my luck. Um, but one more year, and uh, so I study most of the day because it's a PhD is a forty-hour uh, a week work. It just it just is. You you spend about eight hours a day studying, and um, so during my breaks, because I learned from from a guy who taught education for many years that you know you should study for about forty-five minutes and take about a fifteen-minute break. That's what you should do. And you know, go hydrate because I drink too much coffee, and so you know, go get some spring water or whatever, and go hydrate and 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 just walk around a little bit. But I get bored easy, and I have the news on all the time, but it's on mute, and they run the same stories over and over and over and over again, so that gets boring too. And so I listen to podcasts, and I don't know how many of you listen to podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts when I take a walk in the morning, all kind of stuff. I listen to podcasts, and. One of the ones I will occasionally listen to. Now, hear my warning here at the first. Um, This is not a podcast I'm recommending because the podcast host has a foul mouth and some of you were raised as Nazarenes and you'd faint. So, the podcast host is Joe Rogan, the most popular podcaster in the world. Uh, He gets paid $60 million a year by Spotify for his podcast. $60 million a year. But he has literally millions of listeners. Like, some of you watch Fox News. Fox News at its height gets about 3.5 million viewers. He gets like 30 million. Um, A lot of people listen to him around the world. And this week he had on a guest that I was very interested in. Typically, I'm not interested in his guests, I only listen to him every once in a while. But this week he had on Dr. Stephen Meyer and you are saying, who is Dr. Stephen Meyer? Stephen Meyer is a physicist, an astrophysicist, and a philosopher of science at the Discovery Institute. And what makes that interesting is he's an astrophysicist and philosopher of science who's an evangelical born-again Christian. And so to have Joe rog- Rogan, an agnostic, foul-mouthed, who likes to smoke pot during his podcast, sit there and talk to a guy with a PhD from Cambridge who believes Jesus is Lord was an interesting discussion. And it went on for like three hours. And Joe Rogan, being Joe Rogan, he brought up all kinds of weird stuff. He accused the gospel writers of being on mushrooms. You really think there are people on the streets of Jerusalem in the first century going, get your mushrooms here? Hey, yeah, I don't think so. You know, they were lucky to get clean wine. They weren't looking for mushrooms. And by the way, if you've read the Gospel of John, I'm pretty sure nobody can write that under mushrooms. It doesn't happen. So he had some weird ideas. But Stephen Meyer made a number of good points, and he made the case to Joe Rogan, the case we all should make with every one of our friends and coworkers, neighbors, and so forth who are unbelievers, which is that The evidence is clear that God is real, God created the universe, there is no other, there's no evidence for anything else. You will hear some scientists, or you'll hear Joe Rogan go, well, there's a theory of the multiverse of a universe that creates other universes, and to which Stephen Meyer responded, what created the multiverse that created all the other universes? See, at some point, you have to get to something outside of space, time, and matter to create space, time, and matter. That has to happen. And so, doing this whole multiverse thing, all this other, you're just kicking the can. You're not answering the question. At some point, you need to answer the question. Even Joe Rogan finally admitted, said, yeah, you may have a point. And for Joe Rogan to say that, and fortunately, you couldn't see me because I was in dirty sweatpants and in an oversized University of Kentucky shirt when I was walking around the kitchen. And he said that I about jumped and applauded because this can be done. But here's the problem. The majority of people in our culture, in a growingly secular culture, I think evangelical Christianity has dropped in most polls from 67% when I was in seminary to about 32% today. In an increasingly secular culture, you're not only going to have to prove that there's a God, you have to show them who the true God is. And sometimes even Christians struggle with who the true God is. Now, this morning, the assignment given to me is to talk about the prophet Zephaniah. And I know most of you are going, who? Zephaniah is stuck in the back of your Old Testament. His book's not very big. Even though he was a contemporary of Jeremiah... Zephaniah is what's called a minor prophet. Now, when scholars refer to them as minor prophets, that doesn't mean that what they were saying was inconsequential. It means that their books were just short. That the word God had given them was short. And that's another thing that I always remind you of. I, and I, I see a couple of new faces here this morning, and I'm hoping all our people who are on vacation. I don't get a vacation for a year, those of you watching online. Um, that You understand this. A prophet is not somebody who zones out, eyes roll back in their head, and they spew forth the future. Biblically, that is not a prophet. A prophet is somebody who God comes to and says, you, you go deliver this message word for word what I say. And typically what they say is they point to God's people and they say, get your act together you're being disobedient, you're being unfaithful, knock it off. And that's what Zephaniah does. So to put this in historical context, while you're all still trying to figure out how to spell Zephaniah on your Bible apps, um, what's going on here is this. Israel, after Solomon died, splits into two kingdoms. You have Israel proper and you have Judah. And almost none of the kings, if you read First and Second Kings, were good kings. They were typically disobedient and selfish, and God brought judgment on them again and again and again. Now, at this time when Zephaniah is getting ready to prophesy the word that God has given him, you have a king named Josiah... Now, Josiah turns out in the long run to have been a decent king, fairly decent. He was no Solomon or David, but he was was fairly decent. And he begins to enact reforms in Judah because of the prophecy he has received from God. But that takes some time, and this is before these reforms. People in Jerusalem itself I don't know how many of you have been to Jerusalem. You should go before before the Lord returns or you go to be with the Lord. In Jerusalem itself, the city of David, Jewish people, the people of God at the time, were worshiping false gods in Jerusalem. They were worshiping Molech and Baal. And if you don't know who they are, this is all you need to know. Their worship demanded the sacrifice of newborn children. And so here is God's word through Zephaniah to the people of Israel. The Lord gave this message to Zephaniah when Josiah, son of Ammon, was king of Judah. Zephaniah was son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah. You don't need to know all that. And God says this, verse 2, I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, says the Lord. I will sweep away people and animals alike. Now, I should have backed up there. And two, he says from the face of the earth. Actually, that can be translated in Hebrew, from the face of the land, meaning their land. He's not talking about a new flood or anything. I will sweep away people and animals alike. I will sweep away the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea. I will reduce the wicked to heaps of rubble. And I will wipe humanity from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will crush Judah and Jerusalem with my fist. Now notice that. That's like God saying that the message he gave me today is saying he's going to destroy all of his churches. I will crush Judah and Jerusalem with my fist and destroy every last trace of their Baal worship. I will put an end to all their idolatrous priests, so that even the memory of them will disappear. For they go up to the roofs, and I want you to notice this, they go up to the roofs and bow down to the sun, moon, and stars. That's talking about astrology. Astrology is pagan. And Bible forbids any person who has faith in God from engaging in paganism. If you check your astrology chart, shame on you. And there's a very good reason for that that goes all the way back to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, when God says to his people, because astrology's been around for thousands of years, but he tells the people, he says, do not look for signs of the future, just trust me. I hold the future. And that's what he's telling his people. They claim to follow the Lord, but then they worship Molech too. I go on about that, but I don't have enough time. And I will destroy those who used to worship me, but now no longer do. They no longer ask for the Lord's guidance or seek my blessings. Now, here's what you need to know about, because here's what we do. We come across a coworker, or a friend or a neighbor or a family member, and we ask them what their relationship is with God, if you're brave enough to do that. And the response is, well, I was baptized as a kid. We go, oh, okay. According to this, is that enough? He says, I will destroy those who used to worship me. What's he saying? Unless you're continuously worshiping me, you're not mine. We don't have a relationship. Stand in silence in the presence of the sovereign Lord. Sovereign means ruling Lord. For the awesome day of the Lord's judgment is near. The Lord has prepared his people for a great slaughter and has chosen their executioners, which he did. And he told them back in Deuteronomy, he said, look, If you turn from me, and you start worshiping false gods, and you turn from my ways, if you ignore the widow and the orphan, if you do these things, I will take my protection from you. And the other nations, the Hittites, the Ammonites, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, they will come after you, and I will not fight for you. You're on your own. He's warned them about this for a long time. On that day of judgment, says the Lord, I will punish the leaders and princes of Judah and all those following pagan customs. Pagan means unbiblical. Yes, I will punish those who participate in pagan worship and ceremonies and those who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit or lying. On that day, says the Lord, a cry of alarm will come from the fish gate and echo through the new quarter of the city. This is Jerusalem. And a great crash will sound from the hills. Cry in sorrow, all of you who live in the market area, for all the merchants and traders will be destroyed. I will search with lanterns in Jerusalem's darkest corners to punish those who sit complacent in their sins, who just wave off their sins. They think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good or bad. I want you to notice that. I want you to think about that for a second. They think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good or bad. How many of us live our lives day to day like that? How many of us sit and think about what we need to do, what we want to do, what makes us comfortable, what entertains us, And don't give a second's thought that God is there, God is watching, and God is active. And spoiler alert, God still punishes. God still judges. We'll get to that in a second. Old Testament's not that irrelevant, is it? So their property will be plundered. Their homes will be ransacked. They will build new homes but never live in them. It's going to be taken away in slavery. They will plant vineyards but never drink wine from them. The terrible day of the Lord is near. Swiftly it comes. A day of bitter tears. A day when even strong men will cry out. It will be a day when the Lord's anger is poured out. A day of terrible distress and anguish. A day of ruin and desolation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and blackness a day of trumpet calls and battle cries. Down go the walled cities and the strongest battlements because you have sinned against the Lord. I will make you grope around like the blind. Your blood will be poured into the dust and your bodies will lie rotting on the ground. Your silver and gold will not save you. Your silver and gold will not save you on the day of the Lord's anger for the whole land will be devoured. By the fire of his jealousy, he will make a terrifying end of all the peoples on earth. That is the word of the Lord. If you don't think God still does that, you're not reading your Bible carefully. Now, don't get me wrong. Can I tell you exactly when God's doing that? No. I don't have a red phone to the heavenly throne and I haven't got a VIP pass. God has never audibly told me, go say this. I remember I was living two hours outside of New York City on 9-11. I was in law school and I was preaching at a little church in Ithaca, New York. And after that happened, classes were canceled for a few days. And I began to look around and see what ministers were saying. And I was ashamed. One of the things that a lot of ministers said, one quite prominent minister who recently passed away, was that 9-11 was God's judgment on our acceptance of abortion in america now do not get me wrong one god will do what god will do two abortion is a sin but i remember thinking you're picking your sin because if you look around we got a whole bunch i used to tell people when I was when I helped co-found a church downtown, and the average age there was like 20, that they hadn't thought of a sin that God hadn't known about. Just open Leviticus. We'll go through it. We'll find your sin. What about greed? Rampant violence, abandonment of children, all kinds of sins. I don't know if God either commanded 9 11 or, or allowed 9 11 or it was for this or that or all of them. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know what the Bible teaches is that God is active and he does still judge. Now, if you want proof of that, here it is. Because here's what I hear from some people. I heard this from a, from a freshman Bible student when I was helping teach classes when I was in seminary. I will go to heaven for that, if nothing else. I tried to teach an 18-year-old Bible. And this kid sat in front of me and a professor named Randy Harris, and he said, I don't like the God of the Old Testament, he's mean. I like the God of the New Testament. He's nice. And I opened the book of Acts, and I said, I think Ananias and Sapphira might disagree with you. He struck them dead in the New Testament. And he went, who? And I said, oh, here's the problem. We're arguing over a book only one of us have read. You read Acts, you read Revelation, you read, no, 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 no. God is still active and God is still, it wasn't like at the resurrection he said, great, I'm going to take a nap. Son, you wake me up when you want to go back. That didn't happen. So that is part of who God is. He demands repentance. He demands obedience. And he deserves it. But I understand, and you need to understand, that that's part of who God is. So we don't end up trying to sell our friends and neighbors and coworkers who aren't Christians or aren't true Christians, aren't worshiping God, obeying God, following God, that they know who the God that we want them to come to believe in is. But Matt, First John says God is love. Yes, he is love. And he judges. And if you don't know that those two can go together, you weren't raised by a Kentucky mother. God loves. And God judges. And God tests. The Bible is clear that when, when God takes an active move towards one of his people or group of people. The Bible describes it either as judgment, as love, or as testing. Next year, I will be have, having spent 25 years in the ministry. The question that I get most often from people, when they're going through something in their life, and i have had everything from i can't believe i just made all this money but and i feel like at some point the hammer is going to come down and i've had the opposite that come in and they say why does it feel like i get nothing but the hammer coming down and what they're asking is am i being blessed am i being judged or am i being tested they don't even know those words but that's what they're asking am i being blessed am i being judged or am i being tested And if you read through the history of Israel, spoiler alert, Josiah says, get those false gods out of here, get those false priests out of here, and God says, okay, I'm putting a pause on things. Now what was God doing? Was it a blessing, was it judgment, or was it a test? And what I have to tell them, and what the Israelites didn't learn was, yes, It was all three at the same time. It was all three. Now, what do I mean by that? I have had two major health scares in my life. Lord willing, I will grow old enough to have another one. Because it will happen, folks. You live old enough. It's funny to watch my wife as she gets a little older You know, she's in her mid-30s now, and I'm 50, and she gets out of bed and goes, my legs hurt, I don't understand why. I said, welcome to age. Stuff will hurt you didn't even use yesterday. That's just the way it is. We're all heading down those tracks. And that's a blessing, a test, and a judgment. The two major health scares I have had, first one, was back in 1996. I was 24 years old. And I was told by two physicians, one in DC, one here locally, that in all likelihood, I had colon cancer. My uncle had died from colon cancer seven years earlier. He was a colonel in the Air Force was in great shape. And here I was, I was 24, but I drank like a fish, smoked like a stack, and the only exercise I got was coughing. And so I thought, I'm a dead man. And so I begged a God I did not know for my life, and he gave it back to me. And he's given me 26 more years. Now, what was that? Was that a judgment, a test, or a blessing? It was all three. Why is there sickness and death in the world? Because of sin. That's a judgment of God. Judge decided. God decided in Eden, because you have rebelled, because you disobey me, because you sin against me, there will be sickness and death in this world. That's a judgment. And it will come to all of us. And when it comes to us, how do we respond? Second health crisis. I get what's called a pylonidal cyst in my back with a staph infection. I spend 14 months laying on my stomach. I cannot sit down. I go through three surgeries here locally alone. The last time they said, there's nothing else we can do. I was mad at God. I was angry. I got a hole in my back. I'm in constant pain. I'm allergic to pain medication. I can't take anything stronger than Tylenol or I'll pull a Linda Blair from the exorcist. So I was angry. I had planted a church four years before. I was baptizing 20- and 21-year-olds. And I was paying to do it. I wasn't getting paid. You know what you get if you ask a bunch of 21-year-old indie rockers and artists from downtown Portsmouth for a tithe? You get a pack of cigarettes and lint. So myself and the fellow elders were having to pay the rent and pay the utilities, taking time off, Paying for an office, then paying for a children's space, because then we start having young couples come. And I'm like, God, look. I had a good job at the time with a, with a nonprofit law firm. And so I was like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to pay the rent. I'm glad people are coming to faith. It's exciting for me every time I get to baptize somebody. So, what are you doing? Why are you putting me on the sidelines? And not just putting me on the sidelines, but inflicting me with horrible pain. Because I'm allergic to pain medication, I had to go to the the wound center. You know how they treat that? They burn you. Every week, you know what I had to do? Bite on a towel like I was a soldier in the Civil War. And I was angry with God. What do you think you're doing? This isn't fair. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it might as well have been one said, Matt, you want to talk about fair? Let's talk about fair. You spent 25 years of your life in open rebellion against me, which is the reason I had to send my son to the cross. You want to talk about fair? You wanna talk about what you deserve? That'll shut you up. And I came out of that realizing that if I died that day, i get to go be with the Lord through no merit of my own, but through solely through the life and the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's not fair and thank God Now, was that judgment, test, or blessing? Yes. It's all three, it's all three. You will face difficulties. And those difficulties are a judgment because If all of us had been obedient from the beginning of time and worshiped God and God alone, those difficulties would not be here. We'd still be living in the garden with direct access to God. That didn't happen. So those difficulties are here. So then the tests come. When the difficulties hit, how do you respond? Do you get angry with God as I sinfully did? Or do you go, how do I need to repent? How do I need to turn from my sin and to God and follow Jesus Christ? That's the test. You see, God doesn't test people for himself. He tests for you. Do you think when he told Abraham to take Isaac up on the mountain and sacrifice him, that a God who created time, space, and matter and is outside of time, space, and matter didn't know what was going to happen? Do you really think he was going, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? I don't know. He knew exactly what was going to happen. It wasn't for God. It was for Abraham. It was to teach Abraham. Abraham. So when the test comes, it's not God going, let's poke him a little bit and see what's really in there. He knows what's really in there. This is your opportunity to say what's really in there. This is your opportunity to look in the mirror and say, am am I faithful? What do I worship? It's your opportunity. And if you come out of that, identifying the issues that you need to pray about and repent from and move away from that, and therefore by moving away from that, you move closer to God, that's a blessing. You see my point? God disciplines those he loves. And I don't look forward to it. <laughs> My wife said one time, she said it several times, and the, she teaches young women from all over the country on Sunday nights, for part of her Bold Movement Academy. <laughs> she told him once, I was listening, I was in the kitchen. I heard her and she was out in the back deck. And she said, uh, the smartest and dumbest thing I ever did was ask God for patience. Do you know how he teaches you that? It ain't fun, it's discipline. You get smacked around. So how in the world do you have the emotional and mental capacity to do this? It's two things. One, if you truly have faith in Jesus Christ, then you also have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there to help you grow toward him and the Father and the Son. That's what he's doing. He is active as well. Number two, you have to remember this. How is it that we get access to the Holy Spirit? How is it that we have access to faith? How is it that we have access to heaven itself? It's through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And let's take, think about that just for a second. Now, this is, I will admit, I am by nature a logical person. I mean, I was a trial lawyer, so that's the way I think. And I will tell you that when I think about this, I can't make sense of it and it boggles my mind. So Einstein proved that at the beginning of the universe, which we know we can trace, there actually NASA sent up telescopes and satellites with the hopes of actually seeing stars from the beginning of time. So Einstein proved that the universe had a beginning. It irritated him because he's an agnostic and he knew what that meant. He meant that if the universe had a beginning, it had to have a creator. But because time, space, and matter came together, formed at the same time, at what scientists call the Big Bang, what we call Genesis 1, that meant that there was a period, I don't know what you call it, where the creator of the universe, the Father, Son, and Spirit, were outside of time, space, and matter altogether. Now, how do three beings exist outside of time, space, and matter? I haven't a clue. That's beyond what I can even imagine. And so, this example is going to be flawed, because I guarantee you this is not how it happened, but because God is merciful, and as John Calvin said, the Bible is God's baby talk to his creation because we can't understand his mind. I have to put it this way. It would go something like this for us to understand it. For whatever reason, the Father and the Son and the Spirit who existed without any disharmony, without any sin, without any problems. In complete harmony, and they worshiped one another and loved one another, and they existed in this perfect existence as a trinity. And for some reason, they decided to make us. So, they create the universe. But then they know, because they know the future, that we would sin, we would rebel. And because God, as we have seen in Zephaniah, is not just a loving God, but a just God, and he will judge, the question must come up, what happens when our creation rebels, when they, when they commit treason against us? What's the answer? Well, the answer is that we all deserve help. We deserve to be cast away from God. But then for some reason, and this is where the emotional power comes from, the second person of the Trinity who we call the Son of God, Jesus Christ says, I will take their place. I will step into that world. I will be tempted. I will suffer, and I will take their punishment. And if they come to faith in me, you must forgive them, for their punishment has been paid. See, this is the one instance in history Where it's not judgment, a test, and blessing. It's pure judgment that falls upon the Son of God on the cross. And He doesn't get the blessing. We do. We do. The king was made to suffer so that we could become children of the King. So the next time you face difficulty, and you will, and I'm sorry that you do, I don't wish it on anyone. Remember that the one time in history that it was not judgment, test, and blessing. It was just judgment. Was when Jesus Christ cried out, Father, why have you abandoned me? Because at that moment, the only other time, the only time in history, the one who existed with the Father and Spirit in an eternal happiness and joy was ripped from the presence of the Father to take his wrath so that we might join the Father. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, though it's often difficult to see, knowing that when we read through scripture, we should not judge those, but ask, are we like them? when difficulties come, as they will in a sinful world, from family, from finances, from health, may we ask, how can this be a test, a trial, that will bring me closer and closer to you, a better servant for you, having already received the blessing of the sacrifice of your Son? May we live every moment with that at the center of our being. because we do not know when the day of the Lord comes. We pray this in your son's blessed and kingly name, Jesus. Amen. Well, folks, I hope that you have a great week in the heat. I have a Ph.D. presentation. I've got a podcast to record. And then when all, when all that is said and done this week, I have naps to take. God bless you. God go with you. Have a great week. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 1030 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.